Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. We're in a series titled Feet, and it's a series about steps. And our feet take us places, and the ultimate place we want to go with these feet as Christians is we want to arrive at the place of having a first-hand relationship with God as opposed to second-hand. Second-hand is when we hear what God did in somebody else's life, and other people are saying, God did this for me, and God did that for me, but he's not seeming to do anything in our life. So our goal is to get to where we're having this first-hand relationship with him. And in order to do it, we find out there's seven steps that we need to take. Today we're going to look at steps three and four, and I titled this message, Aching Feet. And I bet you just about everyone, at least my age and around my age and up, we've had some days where we stood on our feet all day and our feet were aching. And I remember when my kids were young, uh, when they were young, I, I, did, I did lights, outside lights for Christmas. I did all the shrubs and all the trees and the shrubs, all the bushes, and I put lights on everything. And, and I'm real OCD with Christmas lights, so my goal is that they look better than a professional would do. And so it takes me a long time to do lights. So when the kids were young, I did it every, every year. And then they got older, they didn't care, so I stopped doing it. And then we moved into a new house about 12 years ago, and they were older, I didn't do that house. But then we had our grandchild, and uh, Joseph just turned five. And when Joseph was born, Gina said, you got to do lights again for Joseph. And I'm like, his dad can do them. And she goes, no, when he comes over here, we, I want him to see your lights. And, and uh, I said, oh, it's going to take so long. And then the worst part of Christmas lights outside is taking them down. Uh, it's always cold when you take them down. And so finally I said, for the grandchild, for the grandchild, I'll, I'll do it for Joseph. And I went out and bought all the lights and cords. And then the next day I got up and I went out early and it took me eight hours to do the lights. And um, I mean, it was a long time to stand on my feet. And one tree took me two and a half hours. The tree looked like this. This isn't the tree, uh, but I found one that looked like it. I didn't have a good picture of my tree. And I think I did 12 strands of light, 100, 150 lights each on a strand. Two and a half hours. And I went up every branch. I did it perfect. And when I was done at that, after that eight hours, uh, my feet ached so bad. They were so, so sore that I could barely stand. So I, I used my drug of choice over the counter. It's Tylenol, and I took three extra strength Tylenol. And it took the edge off, but the pain was still there. And the next year I got smart. I just took three Tylenol before I even went out and uh, <laughs> made it a lot better. And uh, we're going to talk about aching feet when it comes to God and when it comes to you and I getting through situations and problems. And that's what our steps are about today. They're about that very thing. Uh, how, how do we make it through? How do we overcome? How do we stand during storms and terrible circumstances? And how do, we, how do we overcome something that we just can't seem to overcome? It's like chains around us. And it's about step three and it's about step four. Remember, step two was, was all about knowledge, the Bible, the scriptures, and we find out what God says. And so today we're going to find out what these next steps are. And here's what I want you to walk out remembering today. I, I want you to get this. This is what this message is all about. It's real simple. If you take a step, God will do the rest. That's all you have to do. If you take a step, God will do the rest. And we're going to find out 
that we can release this spiritual Tylenol, so to speak, and we can release God to do these incredible things if we just decide to take a step. And once we decide to take a step, then God just begins to do everything. And there's a really cool Bible story about this. It's Joshua chapter 10. It's verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to read the story, but I do want to tell it to you. Uh, Joshua was the head of, of Israel, and Israel had to fight five kings and their kingdoms, all their soldiers. So it's five against one. And Joshua's really nervous because in the natural, he cannot imagine taking on five kingdoms at one time. And he has to do something. So God spoke to him, and God told him this. Here's what God said. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but God said, if you attack, I'll help you, and I'll do the rest. That's what God said. Now, Joshua's like you and I. We read something in the Bible, knowledge. You know, we know what the Bible says. But then we're a little bit apprehensive to step out and do it. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's a lack of trust. We don't know what it is, but sometimes we just, we're, we're, it's just hard to step. And Joshua's at that moment where he has to decide to take a step. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, when you take a step, God does the rest. So Joshua said, all right, God, I'm going to believe you. I believe you. And he attacked these enemy forces. And guess what happened? As soon as he attacked them, the Bible says God caused confusion amongst the five armies, and they began to kill each other. So Joshua and his guys are killing them, but they're killing one another. And, and, and Joshua took a step, and God began to work. God always begins to work when we take a step. But then a bunch of them were freaked out because of the confusion God caused, so they began to run away, and they're running away, and God caused these hailstones that were huge, these big hailstones, they fell on them, and the Bible says more were killed by the hailstones than by the sword. Joshua took a step, and God did the rest, but Joshua looked, and he saw the five kings and their elite forces. He saw them running off, but the sun was just about to go down. And he knew that he couldn't catch them before the sun went down. And he knew if the sun went down, he'd lose them. So Joshua looked at the sun, and he said, sun, stand still. And the Bible says this, never before and never again did God listen to man at that magnitude. But at that moment, God stopped the sun in the sky. And, and get a hold of this. For 24 hours, the sun didn't move. Now, Joshua didn't understand the universe. He didn't understand the sun rotating on its axis. So I don't know if God stopped the solar system. He could. He made it. I don't know if he stopped, uh, you know, the whole universe. He could. He made it. Or I don't know if he just stopped the earth on its axis. But here's, here's the point. For 24 hours, that sun didn't move. Joshua hunt, hunted the king, their elite forces down, and he totally won the battle. Can you see what God did because he took a step? If you take a step... God will do the rest. He caused confusion, hailstones, and the sun to stop so that Joshua could defeat these armies. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And every time we see a scripture, we read it, and it needs to be acted on. God's saying to us, if you take a step, I'll do the rest. So let's look at the steps, and let's look at our steps today. Second Peter chapter 1, and it reads like this, guys, in, in verse 5. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, your Christianity, goodness, and the goodness knowledge. We, we looked at that last week. If you weren't here, it's free online on our BC app. You can listen to it this week. And then it says, and to knowledge, self-control, that's step three, and to self-control, perseverance, step four, and then godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We'll talk about godliness next week. But, but today we're talking about self-control, and we're talking about perseverance, and these are fascinating fascinating steps. So let me give you the definition of self-control. You know what the definition is? 
self-control. And you see the Greek word up there. In this context, it's referring to making your mind, will, and emotions do what the Bible says. So self-control is just simply you and I reading a scripture and saying, mind, body, you're going to do it. Put it into practice. That's self-control. This is really important. Uh, Notice how self-control doesn't stand by itself. It's added to knowledge. And that's when God can... That's when God can do his thing. Sometimes we tried self-control all by itself, and God's saying, no, find a scripture and then put it into practice. And if you put this into practice and you begin to take that step, then I'll begin to do all these incredible things. But he says, there's one more step you need to take after you add self-control. I need you to add perseverance. And here's what perseverance means. It just simply means endurance, steadfastness, and I like this one, patience. And I'll use patience the rest of the day because that's more a word we're used to in our culture. And how many Christians have prayed, God, give me more patience? And I've had people say, Pastor Joe, I prayed for more patience and, and God gave me problems. And uh, I think that theology is not 100% accurate. But, 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 listen, God cannot give you patience. And I'll tell you why he can't give it to you. Because you have it. The Bible says when you accepted Christ, that your new person on the inside, the new man, that one of the fruits, one of the characters of the new man is patience. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. That's referring to your spirit. One of your fruits is patience. You already have it. What God's saying is now, after you take the step of doing what I ask you to do, he says now add patience to it. And we'll explain how to do that and what it means. But here's what happens so often. So often our idea of patience is, Um, to hold on for dear life. We white knuckle it, you know, and I'm just going to stand here and hold on for dear life. And we just, all we want to do is we want to be standing when the thing is done, when the problem is done. We just want to remain standing. God's saying, no, 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 no. Patience doesn't stand alone. Patience is added to self-control. And when you begin to work these steps together, Jesus gave us the parable of the sower. Look at what he said in Luke. It's amazing. In the parable of the sower, Luke 8 and verse 15, he said this, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word knowledge, with a noble and good heart, adding goodness, steps one and two right there, keep it, that's self-control, they do it, and then he says this, and bear fruit with patience. There's our first four steps. Our first four steps cause the Bible to work in our life. If you were to ask me, what is fruit? I would say fruit is the Bible working in your life. It's God working. It's you taking a step. God doing the rest. And isn't that what everybody, every one of us want? We want want God to work in our lives. This is part of getting to know God firsthand because you know what? If God comes through and he answers one of your prayers, he does something in your life, uh, isn't isn't it interesting the next time you already have some history and you say, God came through for this one, I know he's going to come through for this one. And you begin to get to know the faithfulness of God, which is what we sang in that fourth song today. God is incredibly faithful. But now to really get to know God, you have to add godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And that's our last three steps. But these first four produce incredible fruit. So let's talk about uh, adding self-control. Let's talk about doing. And I saved this for this week. I didn't talk about it last week. Knowledge is, is the written word of God, the Bible. And we're to add that to goodness. Goodness prepares our heart. But here's what I want you to understand about knowledge, okay? You can break it into, in, into two types. There's two types of knowledge. The first one is positional. And positional knowledge, I call it spiritual food, and it renews our mind. Positional knowledge is parts of the Bible that say this. 
that you are crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. That's positional. You can't step out and do that. Or uh, if you're in Christ, if you accepted Christ, you are a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. I mean, it's just all those incredible things. You're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. You're holy and blameless and without fault because you accepted Christ. That's positional knowledge. Now, we can use this knowledge. It's very helpful. We feed on it. But do you know where you use this knowledge and where you add self-control to it? Up here in the mind, man. The, the mind's a battlefield. And we get all kinds of thoughts that don't belong up here. Thoughts are not you. Thoughts can come from all kinds of sources. And just because you get a thought don't mean, doesn't mean you're bad. But how many of us get thoughts, and if we don't deal with them, they, they end up taking over, and we believe them, we begin to do them. And when Jesus was tempted, when the devil tempted him, those thoughts went into his mind. And what did he do? Over and over he said, it is written. So what happens the next time you have a thought of fear, that I'm going to fail? Uh, you, you take some positional knowledge, and the Bible says God will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says he'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So what do you do? Psychologists call this, and counselors, they call it self-talk, and they'll tell you, you, you need to create some kind of sentence, some kind of phrase, and the next time you have this thought, you need to talk to it. You need to say this out loud, and, 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 and it works, but how much more powerful is it if we take a scripture and use the scripture? It is absolutely incredible. So we speak to fear and say, no, 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 God says he's with me all the time. He goes, before me, he's with me. Or what if you get a temptation to sin and you have this thought to commit some kind of sin, to steal something or to, you know, sexual, whatever it is. Uh, what would happen if you just spoke to it and said, are you kidding? I'm holy and blameless in God's sight. I'm so far above that. I command you to, to leave my mind thought. And, and that's how you add doing to that type of knowledge. That's how we use it. But here's the second type of knowledge. And we'll, we'll spend time on this one today. I call it directional. It gives us instruction. And, and I like to say it this way, it, it lights our path. And it's just simply when God says, you know what, flee sexual sin. Or God says, forgive. Or God says, love your enemy. That, that's what you would call directional knowledge. And that's one we take a step on the outside with. And that's where I want to spend some time today talking about. So let's go to this really incredible chapter in the Bible. It's James. James really understood. It's a chapter 1, verse 21. And here's how it reads. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. That's step one, goodness. And then he says, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. That's knowledge. So here's our first two steps. Then he goes on in verse 22, and he says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. Now, this is really important. You ready? This is step three. This is self-control. He says, do it. So often when we read this, and sometimes us preachers, I'm guilty for it. In the, past, I, I, in the past, I had to learn this. I've learned not to do this. But so often, we can read a scripture like this, and we can be so negative that we make everybody in, in listening feel like a worm. Uh, you know, because there are times when you didn't do what God said, and we can do it in such a way where you feel, you feel so bad about yourself. So I want to make sure you understand this. Are you ready? God loves you all the time, the same whether you're sinning or not. If you're a Christian, and he loves the world too, didn't he die for him? His love for you never changes. He may not be happy that the fact you're living in sin, but his love never changes. You can't do enough to make God love you more. I began to understand the love of God when I had our first child, when Joe Jr. was born. It's like I said, oh, are you kidding? I, I thought about God loves me, but once I had a kid, it was like, 
Ah, I'll die for him. I'll take a bullet. I don't care what he does. He's my kid. I love him. And, and I began to understand the love of God. God loves you whether you're making it or not, whether you're perfect or not. His love never changes. So if you do the Bible, it's not about God loving you more. It's about you having freedom come into your life. It's all about you becoming free. It's about you taking a step so God can do the rest. And I want to make sure you understand that. So listen now to the, the very, very next verse, verse 23 through 25. It says this. For if you listen to the Bible and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, I'm going to bring this into modern day, okay? About a month ago, I was getting ready for Saturday night service, and uh, uh, I glanced in the mirror, you know, and I just looked, and I thought, looks great. Then I came out here and did my whole message. Not not in that way. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) then I came out and did my message. And after I was done, I had three, four people. They walked up to me right away and said, you have a big food spot right here, and you can see it really good on the screens. And I'm like, oh, man, uh, make sure I don't wear that shirt tomorrow. And, uh, uh, and, and, and then this morning, of all things, I go to have my stage makeup on, and the, and, and the girl doing my makeup, Renee, this morning, she says, um, you have some toothpaste right there, some white toothpaste right on the edge of your mouth. Like, ah, my wife always tells me, look real close, look real close before you walk out after you brush your teeth. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But uh, I'm a guy, I'm sorry. Okay, so, so I glanced. This morning after I brushed my teeth, I glanced. But I didn't look close. And you know when we hear the Bible and then just walk away and don't think about it till the next time we hear it, that's like me just saying, oh, it looks fine, it looks fine. And, and you miss things. And what God's saying is, this is all about how we listen. He's saying, when you hear something taught, he says, man, take it serious and ask yourself, how can I apply this to my life? That's looking in the mirror and really looking good, looking for the toothpaste and looking for the spot. That's looking close to find out what you can find. And then here's what God says. He goes on to say this in verse 25. This is what it's all about, man, taking the step and God will do the rest. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's the Bible, he says, that sets you free. This is all about us being free. We know we're free in, in, in the realm of God. You know, he set us free and he sees us free. This is about us becoming free and living free. He says it sets you free. And, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You take a step, God does the rest. And it's all about God blessing our lives and God doing things that are absolutely incredible in each and every one of our lives. So that's doing it, and it releases God to do these incredible things. Let's talk a little bit about patience. The first thing I want to do is make sure you understand the attitude of patience. Because patience is basically you did the Bible, now you're going to keep doing it, and you're not backing down. You're just not going to back down. I want to talk to you about the attitude uh, of patience. It's, it's really important that you understand this. When our kids were young, Deanna was still an infant. She was uh, in, actually just you know, under a year old. We got a dog. We didn't just get any dog. We got a Rottweiler, and we named him Gideon. And by the time Gideon was 10 months old, he weighed 110 pounds. And I used to love to get on the ground. I'd get in the living room. My kids would love it. And I'd pin them to the ground. And I'd start trash talking to them. I'd tell them his mama was a wimp. He's a wimp. And I just, my kids would laugh. You know, Joey and Dave or whatever, five, six, seven. They're laughing. I'm saying, Gideon, you're a wimp. And then, then, then he'd try to get out. He was all muscle. I could never hold him down. And he'd get out and he'd be so proud. Then I'd get a rawhide bone. I had this big bone. And, I, and I'd give it to him, but I wouldn't let go. 
and I'd trash talk him a little bit more. And then I'd hold on with both hands, and I'm like this, and, and I'm trying to take it out of his mouth. I'm trying to win the tug-of-war, and I could never win the tug-of-war. That dog bit down, and dogs, they bite down. When, they chomp on that bone, and there's no getting that bone out of their mouth. They're chomped down. And I would pull as hard as I can, and he'd be growling, but it was his play growl. If it was his real growl, I'd let go and run. But he says, he's like, and I'm twisting him everywhere, and I can't get it out of him. That's the attitude of patience. You've got to be like a dog chomping down on a bone. You've got to just chomp and say, I did what the Bible says, and God doesn't lie, and I'm not backing down. Fear's going to go. Joy's going to come. Peace is going to come. Freedom's going to come. And I'm standing my ground. I'm not backing down at all. That's the attitude of patience. And, and look at what the Bible says. This is a cool scripture, Galatians 6. Verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good in the Bible. Don't get tired of it. It says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Not giving up is patience. It's chomping down. But now I want to give you a secret. I want to show you how to stand your ground and be patient. And this will really help you. I'm going to talk to you about Florence Chadwick. In, in 1954, she decided to swim from Catalina Island to the west coast of California. It was 21 miles. So she decides to do this, and she had already swam the English Channel, so she was already famous, and the TV people are not, you know, all the people, reporters, I think TV was around by then, I can't remember, but, uh, but they were all there, the reporters. So she begins, and here, here's, here's what's happening. The water is ice cold. The fog was so thick, she had boats that followed her. Uh, her trainer was on one. They had guys with rifles on the other boats, so when sharks came, they could shoot the sharks because it was shark-infested waters. And so she could barely see the boats right next to her. So there's fog that's absolutely thick and crazy. So she begins to swim, and as she's swimming, she hears rifles go off. They're shooting sharks that are trying to get to her, and they're just killing these sharks, and she can't see in front of her. She swam for 15 hours. Can you imagine 15 hours? I don't, that's just unbelievable to me. 15 hours. And at the 15-hour mark, she screamed up to her trainer in the boat, I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit. He said, don't quit, don't quit. She said, I can't go any further, and she quit. She was one mile from the shoreline. One mile. So the reporters are asking her, uh, what made you quit? Was it the sharks? She said, nah, the sharks didn't bother me at all. Hearing the rifles didn't bother me. Was it the cold water? She said, nah, the cold water didn't bother me at all. They said, well, what was it? What was it? She said, it was the fog. She said, I couldn't see the shoreline. And she said, it just, I couldn't imagine that it was as close as it was because I couldn't see it. So two months later, she decided to do it again. Every condition was the same. Every single condition was identical. The fog, the sharks, the cold water. But you know what she did? She swam and she made it to the shore. She did it. And the reporters asked her, how did you do it this time? Here's what she said. She said, I couldn't see the shore, but in my mind, I imagined the shore was right close. And she said, that gave me energy to keep going. And you know what the Bible says about Jesus? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. He endured the cross because of the joy that was before him. Jesus saw something that enabled him to walk through the punishment that he went through. And you know what the joy was before him? Every one of you in this room. He saw 
sinners who were chained in sin. He saw people that were in bondage, people that were separated from God. He saw them accept Christ, Him. He saw them free. He saw them living in heaven for eternity. And that energized Him to go through that painful process. That's the same thing that she did when we, she was swimming the channel. She saw the shore. So what do we do? We find out what God wants us to do, guys. And you know what we do? We step out and we keep our mind on the promise. We keep our mind on the Bible. We keep our mind on, if we take a step, God's working. Man, God is causing confusion with our enemy. God's dropping some hailstones where they need to drop. And God is stopping the sun if it needs stopped. God is working while I'm just taking a step. And it helps you keep going. Because sometimes, you know, we walk a long time and our feet are aching because we're walking and walking and walking. What's the spiritual Tylenol, man? Take that step and 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 stay focused, and then God begins to release incredible things. I, I have three applications. I'm only going to give you one. The other two will be on the BC app or the website, so you can go check them out. Make it your Bible study this week, but, but take a look at this application. It's pretty cool. Uh, this is examples of adding self-control and patience, and here's the one I want to use today. When your adult children aren't living godly lives, um, and, and you could have any, this worked with any problem, but this is a big problem. My, my kids, they do live godly lives, and uh, my, 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 my son Joseph and Aaron, they're raising their kids really well, and so Gina and I have nothing to say but doing a great job. But I'll tell you what, pastoring the church, I know how many parents are brokenhearted because their kids are, are doing things that they don't want them to do. Their, parent, their kids aren't living for God. They see grandkids not being raised in church, and it just bugs parents when they see things that they know would be better, but it's, it's not being done right. Can we all agree when our kids were living in the house and they were 16, 17, 18, we had a right to say, hey, we're going to do things this way. Once they leave the house, man, uh, you can try it, but you're just going to make them put walls up. You cannot control them. You can give them some good advice, see if they, you know, if they take it, they take it, but you begin to try to control them, and they're going to just put a wall up. And many parents find that wall up and they're frustrated. And it's like, man, my feet are aching. This hasn't changed. This isn't changing. And they want to know, what can I do? They see them self-destructing maybe. And, and the Bible gives us the answer. You see the scripture up there. Let me read it to you. Here's the answer with all our problems, guys. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's what you do. You, got a, you have a boss at work and you just don't like your situation. The business isn't going. There, there's just things you can't, you can't fix them on your own. You say, God, I have a problem. I want you to intervene in my kid's life. I, I want them to serve you. And you just begin to pray for them. And then the Bible says add thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a patience thing because thanksgiving is I believe you heard me. I took my step. I believe you're doing the rest. So thanksgiving is, Lord, I thank you. And so the next day or the next week or the next month, you wake up and nothing's changed. You raise up your voice and you say, God, I thank you that when I prayed, I took a step. There's some hailstones falling. You know what I'm saying? There, there's some confusion coming in the enemy's camp, the devil, and the sun will stand still. You'll do anything you have to to fix this problem, and you just thank God. Now, notice one of the things that happens. God's working like crazy, but listen to the next verse. The next verse begins with end, which means you don't get seven unless you do six, and it says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, that if you take these seven steps, grace and peace will be multiplied to you. And here's what God's saying. He's saying, man, if you trust me and pray and give me that problem, he says, I'm going to cause peace, which is already in you, to rise up, and it's going to protect you, and you're going to walk in the middle of a storm. You're going to be like Jesus. You'll be able to sleep in the boat when the storm's going on, and you're not going to have any fear 
And that's what God does. When you take a, re- a step, God does the rest. Not only is he doing this, man, he's working on the problem that you asked him to work on. And I love to hear testimony after testimony. In my prayer group yesterday, uh, one of the people in our prayer group, they have a friend that's in Iraq. Can you imagine? They're teaching at the American University in Iraq. In Iraq, you know how crazy it is right now. And we know the terrorist group has taken over three cities and they're 70 miles outside of Baghdad. And we know these guys are really, really radical. And she says, I haven't heard from my friend for a week. And she's like really, really nervous. And so we prayed. Our group prayed. And we said, God, whatever's going on, just protect her, protect her, protect her. And she she grabbed me at first service. She said, I got an email from her today. She's okay. And she, she told me all these cool things God did. And that's what happens when we pray. And she walked out of there with some peace, man, because God releases peace when we pray. I hope I made some sense. Can, can we just end right here? Ready? Ready? If you take a step, God will do the rest. Let's pray, guys. Father, uh, I thank you for every person in this room. And Lord, it's so simple. And I thank you that this week you'll make some scriptures real to us that we know some of that knowledge. And I thank you, Lord, you'll show us that we need to apply that to our lives. And Lord, we thank you that when we take the step, you'll do the rest. Lord, thank you for helping us understand patience too. Boy, we need that. Lord, I pray your blessings over every person in this room. Let this message just come alive to them as they walk through their week. Guys, can we keep praying? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment more? If you're in here, you know, the Bible says add to your faith and then seven steps. My question to you is, have, have, you, have you received the faith? The faith is accepting Christ as your Savior. You know, the Bible says that he died on that cross for our sins and, and that whoever calls on his name, he'll save them. And that we don't go to heaven by our personal works. We go there by placing faith in Christ Jesus. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's my question. What have you done with the most important decision in all the world, Jesus Christ? It's so cool. When you accept him, he washes your sins away. He forgives you. And this is Father's Day. You literally become one of God's kids. You're born again on the inside. You become one of God's kids. That's really cool. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day when I made it personal. I can't remember a day when I personally prayed. You know, you may be in a church and you may say rote prayers, but you say, I can't remember a day when I prayed a personal prayer and made it personal. Listen, if you're that person today's your day, man. All you have to do is pray and say, Jesus, from my heart, I accept you. And I'm going to do that right now. If you're here and you say, I'm ready, would you pray with me? Everyone else in the room, help them pray. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died. And I accept you as my Savior today. And make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believers Church, visit believers.cc.